The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I just began to cry and I said, okay, God, like if you want me, you can have me. I doubt you do, but if you want me, I'm all yours. But if not, would you just kill me tonight because I'm miserable without you. Elaine Fisher, daughter of well-known pastor Robert Morris, shares about a time when she rebelled against the church and her family until God spoke to her in a miraculous way. You know, I was, I showed her love, but I was hurt, I was devastated. You know, my daughter, I didn't, I didn't realize this. of Gateway Church in Southlake. That is in the mid-cities area of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, not far from the airport, a little west on 114. In case you ever want to visit, uh, Betty and I are there, and uh, we're sitting down front as cheerleaders for the pastor <laughs> and all the musicians and praise. Well, Robert Morris is our pastor, and he's here with us, and his daughter, Lane. And uh, he is teaching frequency, which is how to tune in to hear the voice of God. You can actually have this kind of intimate fellowship. And I shared in the last program that once, you know, God always wants to hear your heart. You can just pour it out. He can handle it. If he finds out you really are anxious to hear not only his voice, but his heart, and you want to know his will, and you're actually excited about doing it when you hear it, get ready. Get ready for communication. The Father loves for you to want to hear it. Well, Robert understands that, and he's seeking to help. Now, his daughter, Lane, pastor's kid, always perfect. <laughs> she seemed to... Uh, she seemed like she was not walking in sync. Let's let Lane tell us about it. Would you welcome Robert Morris and his beautiful daughter, Elaine, to like you. You know, I said you were just a perfect kid. But Very I, gotta, close I, to yeah, it. I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. We were watching from afar, and we said, we need to pray for that little girl. And it was, it was really that obvious. What was going on when we could tell you were, you just didn't seem to be living in the shadow of the Almighty. No, it really wasn't. I remember um, when I was about nine years old, uh, Dad told me that he was going to start the church, and that meant we were going to move about 30 miles down the road. So that meant, you know, I lost most of my friends. I had a new school. All these different things happened. And so I just remember almost a little seed of, like, anger and bitterness coming in. Like, did you think of me in all of this? And it was a very selfish thought. And over the next couple of years, as the church began to grow, I just remember feeling this lie come into my heart of that my dad loved the church more than me. And I just began to really latch on to that lie. Um, and so I let that seed of anger just continue to grow. And that lie just kind of became a very big truth in my world. Um, and so I just started to kind of walk out in anger. And I really just started to see what the world had to offer me in that whole process and um, kind of just became addicted to adrenaline lifestyle, just anything that would try to fill a void in my heart, just to kind of get rid of this anger, this bitterness that I had. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And so just kind of 
resented the church because I really felt like that was my dad's number one priority. And so I kind of just pulled away from all of that. I didn't want a part to do with that. And so, I'd like to say it, but his dad's listening to this. <laughs> he looks a bit like Donald Trump. <laughs> Listen to me. You know how Donald Trump will come out? You're sitting here listening, and you're remembering that. What I'm saying was, you're listening to the way she's telling it, yeah. but your mind recalls yeah. that was no fun. No, it wasn't, and it, what it, it, you, the scowl on my face, because he has a scowl on his face. <laughs> Donald, you ought to smile some. Uh, <laughs> the, the scowl is that I'm feeling, yeah, you're right, I did that. I got very busy. The church grew very quickly. I didn't know how to handle it. And she was in her formative years as a teenager. Right. And I really blew it. I really did not spend time with her like I should or give her the attention. And uh, so she, she, she'd lived a double life. For about two or three years, she lived a double life. And we didn't know it. She was coming to church. But outside of church, she was involved in sin. And uh, what happened was, we talk about hearing God. Right, which is what was, the book is about. Which is, is what about. the book Frequency mm -hmm. is about, was the Lord spoke to me and really showed me how deep my sin was mm -hmm. and how much I had wounded her. And so we got together and... Uh, it was in the green room before church one Sunday, or one yeah. Saturday night. Yeah, and... and so. um, no, it smells nice. <laughs> well, um... No, I, I mean, this, yeah. you're watching the gamut of emotion here. Yeah. It's heavy. Yeah. Because yeah. this was painful, yeah. and yeah. now all of a sudden there's like joy. Well, I, I realized how much I'd hurt her, and um, and you can't, it wasn't like just you know bumping into someone saying, "Oh, I'm sorry," but I I I crushed her. What'd I'd you hurt tell her. her that night? She's talking about. Uh, I I went through details that I understand. I have hurt you, and I am so sorry. And I would give up everything to have your heart back. Yeah. And. Uh, that night began a healing for her. Yeah, it really started to soften my heart a little bit. Um, and it was the thing that really began to open my eyes to the sin that I was involved in and the issues that I was having and that I was angry. And so just a couple of months after that, I had just kind of decided I was done with this life. Like I was miserable. I really became very aware of my sin and aware of my circumstances. And so I started to try to um, fix things on my own. I tried, I knew the way of the Lord. I'd grown up in church. So I just thought I'll just act godly and I'll, I'll have this relationship with the Lord. And so I would try so hard to change and then I would just fall back into my habits. And so I remember one night we were uh, hanging out with my friends and we were in a neighborhood that was being built. And so we decided to walk through a house that was being built to check out the floor plan. But I wasn't feeling so well. So I told my friends, y'all just go ahead in front of me. I'm going to sit in the garage for a little bit and then I'll meet y'all when y'all come out. So I sat down in the garage and I just began to weep and I ended up laying down and I just began to cry and I said, okay, God, like if you want me, you can have me. I doubt you do, but if you want me, I'm all yours. But if not, would you just kill me tonight? Cause I'm miserable without you. And I didn't feel a huge change or anything, but just something felt a little bit lighter. And my friends walked out and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know. And so we got up and went about our day. And it's funny because that night I was actually supposed to have dinner with some family friends of my parents. And I had canceled because I didn't want to put on my fake facade of a godly woman. I knew they would want to talk about God to me. And I just wasn't prepared to go through all of that. I was so 
ashamed of everything I was going through. And so I had canceled, but when we did get to dinner, and we were having dinner, and they're asking, how's your relationship with the Lord? And I'm lying, because that was my habit, and I was so ashamed of all my sin. And finally, I just remember him looking down, and so I knew he could tell I was lying, so I looked down awkwardly, and I was like, okay. And so he looked up, and he you said, hey, like Elaine. God's looking down? No, no it's just the man. Our, our family oh, friends. Yeah, yeah, at dinner. Okay. Which, which yeah. you, you know, yeah. Steve yeah. and yeah. Mel, his right. wife, and they, mm -hmm. he, had, he had had a dream 10 years earlier which was when I started the church about yeah. Elaine. And this is Steve Doolin. He is yeah. a wonderful elder in the church that yeah, needs uh, elders. You know, habitation and, he, and other things. He came to me a, a few weeks before this and said, I had a dream about Elaine, and I've been waiting for when I should share it. Now, this is, we're talking about how God speaks. Mm -hmm. One of the ways he speaks is through dreams. We could name sure. 10 people in the Bible that had yeah. dreams. You know? Absolutely. And I, I said, I would love for you to meet with Elaine. And so he and his wife, took Elaine to dinner, and then this is what happened. Yeah, so he looked up from his food, and he said, hey, Elaine, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. And he said, 10 years ago the other night, which I was nine when Dad told me I was 19 at the time of this dinner. So he said, 10 years ago the other night, I had a dream, and you were surrounded by darkness, and you said, okay, God, if you want me, you can have me. I doubt you do, but if you want me, I'm all yours. And if not, would you kill me tonight because I'm miserable without you? And I just, there was something in me that told me my God was personal. And he saw me as an individual, not as Robert Morris's daughter or pastor's kid, but he saw me and he saw all my hurt. And I just began to weep in front of them. And I told them everything I was living in, all my sin. And I remember even telling him, hey, you know, thanks for letting me get this off my chest, but um, you can't help me. See, I've been trying for the last couple months to get right with God and I just can't do it. And I just remember so clearly he said, you know, Elaine, I can help you, but you helped yourself by bringing it to the light. And so he really helped me go through this process of um, just asking for forgiveness, finding freedom. A couple weeks later, he had set up dinner so I could ha tell my parents everything. And we actually um, were out at a lake. And so um, my mom was like, you know, they're having dinner with us. Is there something this is all about? Of course she knew. And so I was like, yeah. Moms and always know. <laughs> always know. And so I said, well, yeah. And she said, well, do you want to tell us tonight? And it was the perfect invitation that wasn't scary to me. And so I said, sure. And so we actually, my whole family was there. It was family vacation. So we just went outside and sat on the dock there. And I just began to open my heart to them and tell them everything I had been living in and saying, and I just remember saying, I'll submit. I just want to find freedom. I want to live for Jesus. So whatever that looks like, you know, I'm, I'm totally submitted to what y'all ask me to do. Um, and I really honestly believed that when I walked into that, they were going to disown me. Mm. I really felt so much shame from it and just, you know, I was a pastor's kid. I should have it all together. And here I did. I just blew it big. And so I went in with the expectation of them shaming me. And instead, it was a really sweet redemption moment for me. Um, they welcomed me with open arms. They both hugged me. They cried with me. They said they forgive me. And then they just, they latched arms with me in this journey to find freedom from that moment on. And um, I remember dad and I actually went to counseling sometimes together and found freedom together and mm. found things that I had hurt him by and he had hurt me by and being able to apologize for those things and really learn how to communicate to each other because we are a lot of like <laughs> so, 
Yes, we are. <laughs> so it just was a very, um, it was a very freeing night for me. Robert, don't you so. think, though, the fact that God convicted you first and told you that you had not spent enough time with your daughter and then you went and asked for her forgiveness, that that opened the door for God yeah. then to con convict it you? It yeah. opened her heart. And see, that's why I'm so burdened of the, ma I'm not burdened to sell books to sell books. I'm burdened for people to learn how to hear the voice of God. And respond to it. And, yes, yes, because God spoke to me. Yes. You need to ask your daughter to forgive you. Truly, not just in a one sentence thing. You need to really repent. And then God spoke to this friend of ours and gave him the exact words that she had prayed in that garage, that opened her heart, you know. And then after this, when she'd come, you know, I was then I was I was uh, devastated, you know. I was I showed her love, but I was hurt. I was devastated, you know. My daughter, I didn't I didn't realize this, and I remember saying to God, God, what do I do now? And the Lord said, You do what I do. I did when the prodigal came home, give her a party, <laughs> and so I actually uh, arranged where I could be gone that weekend, which spoke to her. Yeah that the, she was more important than church. Mm -hmm. And so Debbie and I and Elaine went to New York, <laughs> took her for a weekend. Which that had to be a thing for her because I don't think that's your typical thing. <laughs> that is no, not my typical thing. Sure. No. no, no, but we went to shows, so I gave, we I went gave shopping her money for shopping. Yeah. And I he actually her. went shopping to the stores with us. He would yes. go watch me try it on, tell me if he liked it, which I was like, you don't yeah. care, yeah. your back hurts, it's and, fine. And God answered another, <laughs> God answered another prayer. Yeah. If you, I don't know if you want to tell them or. Well, it was just funny because my whole, once the church started and dad really started to become known, people would always come up to us. And I just remember, I would just get so frustrated. I'd be like, can I just have a date with my dad that someone doesn't come up to us and ruin our date or whatever. And, um, and so he actually prayed, which, uh, not knowing to me, that no one would recognize him in New York. So the whole weekend we were there, I never once saw one person come up to my dad. And I remember we were at the airport coming home and I said, you know, dad, no one knows you here in New York. And I was actually saying it quite prideful, you know, like, yes. And, and what actually happened was that every time Elaine would go try on something, someone would come up and say, we love you, we watch you on television, you know, and I'd say, thank you. And then they'd walk away and she'd come up. And then we went to the show, yeah, we went to the show and I got up to go to the restroom and three guys said, man, we, I love you, I read your book. And, they, 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 and people, and I, I said to the Lord, Lord, you're amazing. He said, well, I couldn't answer your prayer that no one would know you, but I did answer it so that no one came up to you when you were with your daughter. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we don't like people come up yeah. and say we love you, things like that, not at all. It was that it had been a hurt oh, for her. Answer to prayer. But, but yeah. the, the thing that was so uh, uh, wonderful for her was that God cared enough about her yeah. that he worked every detail out for us to have that weekend together. But also, I think God encouraged you by sending those people to you because this was a tough time y'all had been through. You yeah. had been it's through true. thinking that something you'd done to miss out on your daughter's life in some ways, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I think yeah. at the same time you were trying to encourage her, God was encouraging you. Yeah, yeah, yeah he true. was. And now she, you know, she travels and speaks and she shares you know that story. That really. story yeah. she shares, and even I'll tell you the you you could tell them that when when we went out to the dock, we had these little tootsie rolls oh, yeah. sitting there on the counter, and I got two of them. Well, I got through one of them, and then she told us this story, and I couldn't eat the other one, so I put it in my pocket. 
So then, about a year and a half later. Not even that. Okay. A little yeah. less than that, yeah. yeah. He, well, whenever, every night he puts all his change in like a little dish on his nightstand. And so he had put it in and that Tootsie Roll had stayed there. Um, and he never threw it away, never did anything with it. And so a couple months later, close to a year later, um, I had met a man, I was going to marry him and we were talking marriage. And so on a Friday night, which uh, he decided to take me on a date to Reunion Tower, which was actually- I did. No. Yes, no. Er, yeah, I did. you did. And so, um, which was actually a fulfillment to promise from whenever I was about six to seven. And that was actually one of the things that I thought the church took away our date night too. <laughs> so it was a very sweet moment for me as well. And so we go on this date and I really can't remember much of it because I was so expectant Ethan was going to propose then. And he finally was like, hey, I brought dessert. And so I'm like viciously looking around and he was like, Ethan's not here. And I was like, okay, so what's for dessert? And so he digs in his pocket and he pulls out this hard Tootsie Roll. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, okay. And he said, do you remember what this is from? And honestly, I think I had an idea, but I didn't fully know the depth of it. And so he shared with me how that night, once I started opening up, he couldn't really eat it. And so he just sat on his nightstand. And I think it was kind of a remembrance to you to continue to pray for me is what you told me. And so um, he said, you know, but I want to break this Tootsie Roll as an end to that chapter and a start for a new chapter for you. And it was just a, it was one of those God moments for me that says, <laughs> you are redeemed. You don't have to worry about your past. You don't have to carry the weight of it around anymore. Like your dad's moved on, you can too, you know? And cause I think for so long, I kind of would still walk a little bit on eggshells. Like, are you sure you really forgive me? Are we <laughs> sure you're yeah. okay with this? And you know, I'd be afraid to say something cause I didn't know, you know? And so it was just one of those really sweet God moments that said like, you are fully and completely redeemed <laughs> and your past is totally <laughs> forgiven. Would would you thank God for what he's put in this wonderful man and this beautiful girl and Debbie and just Betty and I want to think about this. This, this, ought to, this ought to encourage you. He started delivering his message right here. The blessed life. He told us before that it was our staff that asked him to write the book. He didn't know me to write a book. He wrote The Blessed Life. And now it's around the world. So you, do you see how you encouraged by saying, I like truth. I love to hear transforming truth. I would love to not just be blessed, but be a blessing. See how powerful that is? Well, get hearing God frequency right here. And then I want to ask you to do something that Robert has always impressed his church family to do. And every day, I mean, you know, we watch you, James, you're going to ask us to reach out and touch somebody with the love of God. You got it. Because here's the thing you need to understand. Until you begin to release that love, you don't experience it as fully as you can and as freely until you let the river flow. There's nothing stagnant about what God pours into his people. It can become a dead sea. You start releasing it. You watch the flow. Now look here. I want you to listen to the heart, a broken heart of a mother, and I promise you, you've got the perfect healing. Watch closely.
can to protect our kids. But beneath the blazing sun, thirst is a powerful force that can drive a child to drink the unthinkable. What took her children continues to threaten those who remain, as well as the other survivors in this village. Oh, Lord, I long for the day when that sweet lady bleed those little children to clean water because of your love. Lord Jesus, do it. I, uh, I just really feel like that, you know, you hear God, you'd say, I don't want them to go down there and get that old water. It's all they got. I mean, it's all they got. And to take away the ones they love, they have such little means and their children are the greatest source of joy for most of them. You just never, you just can't believe how those mothers over there in those hard hit countries love their little babies. And it's, it's their entertainment, it's their joy. And then to see them get sick. I, I wanna see that precious woman, I wanna see God heal her broken heart and get clean water for those children. Well, you know, you've heard James and I share the loss we feel in our, losing our daughter. We understand how she feels. We understand the pain in her heart. And yet, at the same time, we understand that this can be prevented if we can get the water wells in there, the source of clean water rather than the contaminated water that they have. They have no choice but to drink that water. They have to have water. But the difference is this problem can be solved if we'll join together and, and let's reach out and let's drill these water wells that will last them for a lifetime and they'll have a choice to make, a good choice, and that's water that won't kill their babies. Well, you know, if we found a cure for cancer, there isn't a person. I bet a lot of you pray for places like St. Jude's or the Shriners Hospital where you see those little kids. I just want to get all those little kids on there and say, come in here and tell us how much it means to you. Your little body works pretty good because somebody loves you. If we could fix them all, your heart would leap to do it. Thank God for every scientist and every medical researcher that tries to find a cure. If you found the perfect cure, you say, we just get it to them. We've got the perfect cure. All the pain and hurt and heartache, it's just a cup of water. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. It's so essential. He's essential to life. We give them water for life and we point them to the water of life and they're willing to listen because they've seen the love. It comes from the water of life. And you're the ones that make the missionaries so very effective. Their hearts are full, but their hands are no longer empty. You've given them the ability to reach out in love and say, here's what love does. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org? Would you go and dial that number where people call for prayer? And you say, today I'm calling to be an answer to prayer. And I'm going to drill a water well. They're $4,800. You could do that. Some of you could. Yes, you could. It might be a step. It might be a stretch. But the joy will be unspeakable. Could you drill part of a well? 1,200 and pray three join you or 2,400 and say, Lord, get somebody else to join me. We got a well. 
Most of the income and the support for wells comes from people who give $48. That breaks out into an average of 10 people water the rest of their life. 144, 30 people. There's a level at which you can participate and be an answer to prayer. And by the way, don't count it insignificant if you give 10 people water. It might be her kids. It might be that little group going there with that mother. We're going to give you a future. Would you do it right now? Lifetoday.org. Dial the number. We're going to send you Robert's book, Frequency, Hearing God, a beautiful journal, a pen. We have a beautiful bronze majesty, what God makes, His majesty makes it. Would you please say, I'm going to give the greatest gift. I'm going to give life because of the love of our Lord in my heart for them. Would you do it right now? Thank you so much for doing it. Pray many join you. 500 wells, 15 countries. You do what God leads you to do. Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most proven and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, you can help establish and drill 500 water wells in remote villages in over 15 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we would like to send you Pastor Robert Morris' new book, Frequency. As you read, you'll discover how to hear God's voice, receive direction for your life, and experience a deeper connection with God. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive the Hearing God Daily Journal and Scripture Pen, a wonderful way to record what God is impressing on your heart and a beautiful keepsake for your daily prayer time. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and you may request our beautiful Majesty Bronze Sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. From the bottom of our heart, we want to say thank you. And I still see mothers walking with their children to clean water, to hope a future to love from you, from God, through you, to them. Please, whatever God puts on your heart, release it. Let, let's start that river flowing. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Let's let it flow through us, all right? Frequency, tune in to hear God. Would you say thanks to Robert Morris and his beautiful daughter, Lane? And by the way, her stories are in here. Yes, her stories are in here. Plus a miraculous story of how she ended up in college. You don't want to miss it? May I suggest you visit stream.org every day for wisdom. I promise you. Thanks for watching.
Next week, Lucy Swindoll and Marilyn Bieber reflect on the highlights and lessons learned from 43 years of friendship and 20 years with women of faith. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.